right, everyone. Welcome back to the Bet on C2C podcast. Welcome into week five. And boys, uh, we have a fun one with us. It's going to be a wet weekend, especially on the uh, the bottom East Coast where most of us are residing. Of course, I have one of my co-hosts with me today, Mr. Chris K. You can find him at Twitter, at Realist Chris K. Uh, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm prepping for what should be a wild weekend. Hopefully everything happens and, and they change it before everything goes down on Saturday. So that's what I'm... That's what we're hoping for. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be like um, the COVID year where games would just be canceled. And so, like, you'd have, like, a 14-game slate, and it'd be, like, nine by game day. It's going to be like that probably with the weather. Yeah, we've seen some move to Thursday. We've seen some move up during the day. But I don't know how that's going to pin. It all depends on how this storm likes to move. And, of course, we live in areas where it could change on the dime. Of course, the voice that you just heard for those on the podcast or here on YouTube that you see, it's Mr. Alfred Fernandez. You can find him at Twitter, at Alfred GF. He's one of the founders here at C2C. He's also one of the hosts of The Official, who uh, I hope to grace that presence one day. But I gladly enjoy the show. Alfred, welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks, man. Yeah, we'll, we'll get you on. Like you said, once the once the the season's over, we're heavy in recruiting season. We'll get your thoughts, especially in bringing you in for a UNC special correspondent. Oh, yes. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, sorry. I just like, I guess the equivalent of a, a podcast equivalent of a, a photo bomb there just jumping in without <laughs> being introduced, but... But that's that's what makes it perfect. Uh, we want to give that shout out to our, our other buddy Ethan Sowers. Couldn't make it today. He had some obligations at uh, Real World. Got to him, but uh, he will be back next week. So he sends his regards and hopes that everyone has a good week here for some DFS and some prize picks. Let's move into some housekeeping before we get started and talk about all things hurricanes and God knows what else. So, uh, of course, you can find us over at campusdecanton.com. We have our articles, tools, guides, different memberships, and so, so much more. Uh, there's daily things that are happening on there. Uh, there's brand new tools that are being made on the daily, which uh, a lot of our NLL members will be the ones that will be seeing that first. So definitely take a look at that. Uh, like I said, anything and everything campus can. If you have any questions, things like that, not only do we have the Discord that you can find through the website, but the website itself has just endless amounts of information that you can have where it hosts all of our articles. So go ahead and check it out. And, of course, we have this in-season edge that's going on right now. Of course, this is a membership completely for the gaming content. Alfred, since you're on the show, I have a little bit of understanding of uh, what we do with the, the betting lines and things like that. Why don't you tell the, you know, the listeners and, of course, the viewers that are watching, what's your thoughts on the in-season edge and why you like it so much? Yeah, so we made this a separate membership just for the season. If you're interested in getting kind of all of our, like you said, gaming content. So, Obviously, you guys are doing the uh, podcast, which is available for everyone. Um, talking about DFS, talking about your prize picks. And then, but we also have, we have articles each week. I know Kay's writing at least one DFS main slate article. Um, we've got some of the short slates. The evening slate will have its own article. And once the in-week in action and stuff is happening, we're going to have articles to, to dedicated to that. Ethan puts out a prize picks article every week. Um, I put out my best bets, but do not read that article this year so far. Totally. Just do the opposite. Um, it's been very weak for me, at least on the best bets. My overall though, um, you also get access to our discord where Chris Moxley and I are putting in our entire betting card. So we will make wagers and the best bets is I pick three. I've picked the wrong three every week that I liked the most, but overall, um, I am plus Chris is plus money. So our entire card is actually doing well. Um, and, you know, there's a long season to go. We're getting more information every week about what these teams really are and hopefully finding some edges. But yeah, so we've got 
the discord is really probably where your money um, comes in. Like it's really worth it because there's, there's real time updates. There's in-game bets. We're like, Hey, this game's going this one way. You know, we're taking the in-game line of blah, blah, blah. So it's like real time, what you're doing, what we are doing, how we're trying to find an edge all the time. Whereas a lot of times once you publish an article, sometimes it's out of date within a few hours and the line changes or whatever. I'll, I'll add, I pay for some subscriptions just because of Discord. Like their Discord channels are just that valuable because it's like you're crowdsourcing everybody chipping in. Yeah. Something like this where timeliness really matters huge because you don't have to worry like we have price picks we like i'm pretty sure and i did it this morning pretty sure it's already trained uh, changed yeah so you're getting it a little delayed you might not get it but if you were in discord and i posted it you get to take advantage of it so i, I definitely recommend at least i mean the discord pay, it probably pays for itself right there the timing is so huge i mean it, the lines on college football like they come out a sunday around 12 or 1 and chris moxley and i are both sitting at our computers when those lines are being released and we're in Discord, and we're saying, we're taking this, we're taking that. I do an Early Lines podcast every week as well, uh, available to anyone, but that's delayed. I mean, I, it's like what I see initially, I try to record quickly, I try to get it out by Sunday afternoon, but I mean, we're talking within 10 minutes, those lines can change drastically. And so again, like Chris mentioned, you know, that timeless jumping right on what we're saying, hey, this line does not smell right. And then, you know, within 10 minutes, it's bet up. Uh, over a field goal. So, I mean, guy starts at minus two and a half. By the end of it, it they're minus five and a half, and uh, you've lost a lot of value. So, um, just to reiterate what you said, yeah, we're, we're enjoying it too. Also, want to point out the article uh, titles and some of these are fantastic. If you uh, listen or get to see Chris's, there's always some great, uh, great references that you just take good golden nuggets. Uh, a blast from your past every single week, Chris. I enjoy them thoroughly. Thanks. I'm glad. I'm glad the last one uh, was received and understood pretty well. You know, sometimes I'm like, "Does this even make sense to anybody else other than me?" But it seems like so far I'm I'm two for two on that, so I'm pretty happy with it. I've been impressed. Those yeah. those those articles every week. Those titles are like, "Man, he did it again." Yeah, <laughs> you're in good company. We all get the references. There's no crickets being found, so that's what's that's what's important. All right, guys. Of course, we have the promo code at C2C. Um, just put that in uh, if you're doing a matching deposit up to $100. If you haven't joined us for Price Pick Check, highly recommend it's a ton of fun. And of course, we can help you win you some money in the process there. Our goal is to, if you do do the $100 or the $20, we're hoping to double it, if not triple it. Sometimes we can even do uh, four or five times. It just depends on if you how much you want to play. Uh, I believe in the past few weeks, we've had hit on a lot of our stuff that we've had there as well. I missed on the Javon Baker. I apologize. I realized I looked like a complete bum last week when he didn't do anything. So I'm definitely uh, glad that at least the uh, the quarterback pick wouldn't play. So, of course, use this code C2C, and they'll be able to help you out as well. And uh, we're going to move into Campus Picks. That is presented by Price Picks. Of course, use that promo code to help you out. Uh, I have the two uh, graphics for me and Kay, but Alfred also did put his in. So I'm going to have him go first as the guest if you want to kind of give us your thoughts and why you chose the two that you chose. So I actually didn't follow the directions completely. I didn't get my thing into the the, uh, Google Doc in time, but also I did three. I didn't know we were just doing two. So you get a bonus. You get a bonus pick for me. I'll have a good overachievers. Totally fair game. Totally fair game. (laughs) So we're going to go with three here. And it's it's kind of a sicko uh, three three part uh, parlay here for prize picks. I'm going to go with Frank Harris over 355.5 total 
uh, yards, so passing and rushing yards. And the reason I like this number uh, is because Frank Harris has gone over these numbers uh, a few times this year, but also he, more importantly to me, he went over that total against Houston in week one. Now, Houston's got a pretty good defense. Middle Tennessee State has a pretty surprisingly good defense, um, actually, this year. They've been a pushover for years, but they're actually – have a good season obviously they just took down Miami which is like total one of the craziest upsets we've seen in a while um but he did this easily and he, I mean so he's gone over 355 pass yards alone not even including rushing yards a handful of times he he, he threw for over 355 um against Houston and ran for another he's going to run for probably another 20 to 40 yards on the ground so he probably only needs to throw for like 320, 315, which he's just doing with regularity. Um, Middle Tennessee State also, uh, if, if they're weak at all, it's weak in the passing, um, passing secondary. And so I think he's just going to probably get there on his arm alone, but he's going to chip in rushing yards. So I like both of those. I like you get the combination there. Um, and I like Frank Harris over that number. Now, I think that a lot of times you can find value in the unders. Everyone always loves overs, overs, overs. But I've got uh, Kyle Williams under 16 fantasy points. He is the second receiver on UNLV. He has been kind of usurped by Ricky White, who came over from Michigan State this year. Um, And Kyle Williams has – so New Mexico, their opponent this week, UNLV versus New Mexico. New Mexico has a great pass defense, fourth lowest EPA per play in the country – and they've played some decent teams, Boise, UTEP, LSU. Like these are not, that's not all FCS or something like that. Like they played some, some, you know, teams with some talent, although Boise's having obviously a down year. His highest score, Kyle Williams, without a touchdown on the season is 14.9 fantasy points. He's scored in every single game so far. So there's been a few that he's gotten over that number with the touchdown. You take away the touchdown, he has not reached 16 fantasy points at all. Um, every other game than, than one, he went eight for 69. He was less than five receptions. You're talking about a guy who's probably going to get three or four receptions, probably for not more than 50 to 60 yards. Is he going to get a touchdown? I think it's a good week to bet he does not get the touchdown. He's hit four in a row. Regression is going to happen. He's not going to have a touchdown in every single game. So I think against this defense, this is a decent bet under 16 fantasy points. And finally, Taylor Green, the new Boise State quarterback, after a coaching change and Hank Backmeyer transferring out, is going to be the new quarterback. He is primarily a running quarterback, <clears throat> and he has a number of 18.5 completions. I like him to go under that. Now, his only other uh, showing in a game this year was he completed 19 of 28 passes coming in early when Bachmeyer went down. But they were down 27 to three in the third quarter. All they could do was just throw the football. He also had a few big long runs. Now, here's where it really gets interesting. Bachmeyer, the main quarterback for Boise State, has not completed 19 passes in any single game this year. You're not going to tell me Taylor Green's going to come in and complete more than Bachmeyer has every single time, every single other game. Like they are going to be a close game. It's going to be at home. They have a playing a team against it with a horrible offense in San Diego state. I do not think they're going to need to pass the ball. They're going to run the ball. They're going to run it with green. I like him under 18.5 completions. He shouldn't need to throw very much. This is not going to be down 27 to three in the third quarter. Like they were against like what is Oregon or something. 
it was Oregon State, maybe. Yeah, yeah I like that one. I think uh, he's a young guy, so he could pass it a ton. Doesn't mean he's going to complete fifty percent of pass, uh, passes, right? And historically speaking, San Diego State's got a good defense, to very good defense, uh, in some of those years. So uh, I like it. More importantly to me, they have a horrific offense. So like Boise's not going to need to push the issue through the air. Right. Mm-hmm. It's going to be thought, like a three point eight. My couple of thoughts is, has Buckmeyer found his FCS school choice yet? That's on the agenda. Not yet. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but also, I do like the Taylor Green under. Uh, and he's also got a more of a, uh, you know, he, he tends to rush a little bit, too. So I think that factors in with Holani and uh, with Genty as well. I think those three together can at least make something happen, regardless of who they're playing and stuff like that. Really like the Kyle Williams under. Uh, of course, you see, I took Brumfield. I took the actual quarterback who's actually gone over 19 fantasy points fairly easily like the past four weeks that he has. He does have, uh, you know, White there now. So even, you know, for me, I took the safe bet. I wanted to have some, just the quarterback. I didn't really want to have to pick between the wide receivers. I do think last week Williams had a little bit more uh, as far as, per, you know, production. White just had an off week, but I think it was just more of the uh, game script and stuff like that. So for me, yeah, I like that for sure with Kyle Williams with the less over the fantasy points as well. And, of course, you can't go wrong with Frank Harris, who's just getting it done, loving the DeCorey and Clark connection that he's got going on there. Of course, he's got Zachary Franklin. Uh, he plays middle to the sea with uh, Chase Cunningham, so that should be a really good matchup. So I'm digging all three of those, and I agree with all the, uh, the the more and the lesses. I think you're right on par with that as well. Uh, going with my Brumfield one, I went with Bo Nix. Of course, another naked Bo Nix sighting to go along with it as well. Uh, but he's got the uh, the pro fantasy score, 23.5 points. The dude's killing it on there as well. He takes on a Stanford uh, defense that ranks 89th against the quarterback. So I think that's a really good spot start there. Stanford hasn't been nothing to you know go about. And, of course, we just lost EJ Smith for the season, which sad tear for me. Uh, no, you don't want to see Emmett's kid go down like that. So I think just just a good pairing there. So I went with Bo Nix. Uh, moving over to K, I uh, see that you went RB Charbonnet. Uh, now at this point, I mean, if he just runs the ball more than twice, he's got his percentage, right? Right. I mean, he's coming off a 100, 100 yard game on nine carries and three touchdowns. Pretty awesome. Uh, I think, you know, they're not, it's not going to be Colorado, right? But uh, Washington, that's going to be a great game. Very underrated game on Friday night. Um, just like his potential, I have him at like 42% of carries because this Keegan Jones is getting is getting into it a little bit. I wonder how much they're just trying to keep his legs fresh for games like these. Um, and that was against that South Alabama, uh, yeah, South Alabama game where he I think they were basically the same in terms of usage. Gotta suspect they use him more in these Pac-12 games. Even then, he's basically hit the number or been better. And I have him at like 95 yards. So really like that one because at the very least two, three runs, and, he, and he's, he's a big play guy. Will Rogers, I was shocked at that number. But, I mean, I can kind of see it. LSU held him in check pretty well. But at any time I can take a guy that's going to throw it like 48 times a game to hit 260, he doesn't even have to be good fancy-wise, you know. He just has to chuck it a bunch. Really like what they have going on with their receiver group. It seems like now everybody's a solid option and chipping in. It stinks for DFS guys. I think ducking is the guy there, which you'll see here in a second, but you don't have to worry about that. I just give me yardage to anybody. It don't matter. So it'll be curious to see if Jaquavius Marks plays and how that impacts uh, the offense. Cause they don't really run it anyways. I wonder if they just do more of a downfield attack rather than those kind of like tosses that are technically a pass. 
So have you ever seen those? But have you ever noticed that? By the way, they kept they call all those catches. Yeah, I mean, if it's if in front of the quarterback, but it's yeah. just so close. It's, it's like a jet sweep coming across, and they just kind of no. It's like uh, they're kind of next to each other, and they just he kind of like like a sweep, like he tosses it to oh, the side. Interesting. But he's, he's already it's kind of side pass. It's weird, man. It's really weird. Please check a uh, check it out this weekend. Yeah, I'll have to it's, check that out as well. It's super sketchy, but it counts as a catch. Yeah, and I like that call because I think there's a potential that it's a little bit. Um, move down that line because Texas A&M does have a decent, you know, pretty good defense, but like, it doesn't matter for that system. I don't think the defense matters. Like you're going to put five wide, four wide. You're going to run them to grass. You're not making calculated quarterback throws. You're just finding grass. And so I don't think it really matters how good the defense is or how good the corners are. Cause you're just going to find a mismatch and, you know, quick passes. Yeah, it's yeah. a pure volume play for sure. Yeah. Also, want to point out uh, having Texas A&M and, and uh, CFF Dynasty, I've noticed you know the dominance level as far as their production and their actual points have gone down quite a bit the past couple of, uh, of weeks. And I know that's you know them fighting for their lights, their lives every single week, trying to uh, you know not lose all their five stars to the uh, the, the portal and everything. But uh, you know, I think this is a good match, and Will Rogers has proven to be a, you know a good commodity. I know he. You know, sometimes he'll struggle and stuff like that, but it's rare just because he just like he, like Chris said, his volume play, and he's just learning to find his receivers, and he just kind of gets it done. So I like that as well. Sharps is an easy one. Like we we all thought that he possibly could be a volume guy, but not anymore. Now he just needs uh, opportunity. That's it, and uh, that's why I think Sharps is moving up ranks. I'm not a Debbie guy. That'd probably be more Alfred's uh, bread and butter, but I think he's uh, a guy that people will be uh, looking forward to, to go into the NFL, especially when he can make things happen so early and so often in the game for sure. All right. Uh, any last thoughts before we move on to the DK stuff, guys? Bo Nix, man. Yeah. What a time to be alive. I mean, you look, what that's a, just, what a, what it's a always a fun time with Bo Nix. Yeah. Uh, been, this is four years now. I've been, been backing him up and he's finally, you have been. we've all been trying to figure out what Bo Nix is for four years. Well, I talked to yeah. the guys on the BTR pod in the off season about it. One of our first episodes. So probably like four people listened to it, but I just think it was total change of scenery helps. And he's definitely not like in the clear of just being a great quarterback, but you know, anytime you get away from Gus and Harson, like it's only going to improve your stock and your performance. Yeah. So yeah. I think we're seeing that right now. Let the rare 11 PM game, by the way. Yep. And you'll wow. notice, yeah, and you'll notice all of these that we're picking are like Midwest to like West Coast. Nothing to do with with the Eastern games that we're talking about because, God, that's a frenzy. We'll talk about that here as we're talking about lines near the end of the show and stuff like that. All right, guys, let's move on to Bank On. Of course, that's presented by DraftKings. Of course, we have the two that are up here for me and Kay, but we did get one from Alfred. And of course, he's the guest, so I'm going to let him kick it off. What was your thought process going into this week, good sir, and uh, building your lineup that you had? Yeah, so um... – you know, getting back into DFS, I love it. I just have found I'm not great at it. Um, no matter how hard I try, can't just can't seem to figure it out. But it was fun to get back into it and make a lineup. And I'll probably play it for real uh, just for fun because I've already put the work in. But from so what I what I like to do is look at EPA per play and look at some explosiveness and really try to find mismatches. And that's where I'm going to start to say who has the biggest mismatch from an explosive offense against a defense that gives up explosive plays. Because for DFS, I play a lot of GPPs if I'm going to play at all. And I want that, you know, I'm not looking for like 
volume and and safe floor plays. I want if it's going to go off, I need it to go way way off. And so what I found is I think one of the biggest mismatches on the slate is TCU's run deep run offense versus Oklahoma's run defense. Um, Texas Christian is one of the most efficient explosive run offenses in the country. They have a pretty clear RB one in Kendra Miller, and he's priced reasonably at 5,200. I really, really like that play a whole lot. I will definitely have Kendra Miller in um, because the matchup is good. You've got a team with a backfield that's got a pretty clear lead back. I mean, it's pretty much – and he's cost-effective. I mean, to me, unless I'm missing something, uh, seems pretty good to pick there. I also had the Baylor run offense versus Oklahoma State's run defense as a pretty good mismatch and the, Oklahoma, the Ole Miss run offense versus the U.K. defense. But the problem with the Ole Miss is they are splitting carries about 50-50 with Judkins and Evans, so, and neither one is priced low enough to be really appealing. Um, the other game run and pass is Wake Forest and Florida State should be um, a complete offensive smorgasbord. Um, this could, of course, backfire. I could also see it just being a slop fest trash game because I don't think either, I don't think FSU is very good. I still am fading them myself, but um, the, the defenses are both pretty bad. The offenses are both pretty explosive up to this point. And so I have a bunch of that. I've got Sam Hartman. I've got uh, Donovan Green. I've got uh, Johnny Wilson and Trey Benson all there. Now, Trey Benson's the minimum. He's 3K. And he's basically splitting with Treshawn Ward um, at FSU. And Treshawn Ward's price, like, I think 2000 more than Benson. And so, like, it's just a value play. Benson's going to get probably 10 to 12 to maybe 15 touches. Um, I think he's a little bigger than Ward, so he's probably going to get goal line if they're if they're right there on the one-yard line. At three, I just think he's he should be at least, like, 4,200. I mean, I don't – 3,000 makes really no sense. It's a good matchup. So he's kind of that free square this week, I think, Trey Benson for FSU. Um, <clears throat> I went with Braylon Allen because he's Braylon Allen. Um, you know, he's he's like the volume play. You know you're going to have 25-plus carries. You know you're going to have goal line. You know you're going to get two touchdowns. 100, 100 yards and two touchdowns is like well within his range of outcomes. And uh, Illinois gives up some on the ground. Illinois is not a great run defense. And then you've got, I think my final two are Dylan Gabriel paying up for that quarterback. This is where I was struggling. Do I want to do the full Wake Forest Florida State stack and go with Hartman and Travis? I elected to go to Gabriel. Um, I just think that Oklahoma pass offense is not super efficient, but the TCU pass defense is atrocious. I think they are going to be able to do what they want through the air. Um Oklahoma is just not not a lot of explosion on offense, but they do have Marvin Mims. Um, I think there could be you know three hundred and two or three touchdowns for Gabriel, which I I thought was good. But Jordan Travis was kind of next man up for me. And then finally, I I think it's Gavin Holmes. I basically picked a Baylor wide receiver um, because that's a pretty good matchup um, in terms of, uh, they're playing Oklahoma state whose past defense this year has really taken a, a step back from where they were a year ago. And, you know, it's just, that ended up being a, a price point that fit. He's 3,600. He can catch a long pass and, you know, maybe get a touchdown. So it was kind of like I had one slot. I was trying to figure out what do I want that last, you know, I had a wide receiver. 
Um, which given more thought and listening to you guys, maybe I'll come up with a better choice, but he kind of just fit and seemed like um, a decent bet, good matchup, and we'll get a target or two down the field. Did you see what Jared posted um, via Bainbridge in Slack about Mario? About Ole Miss. No, I missed it. Tell me. Uh, I know they're doing real tree helmets. (laughs) That seems cool. Uh, the rumor in the thought in the message boards are uh, is that uh, Evans and Bentley will both be out. Oh wow! They so, Judkins is season. Yeah, yeah, Judkins. I think he had like what 27, 28 carries. Oh, it's and I mean it's played yeah. a little bit. That's that's splitting. Yeah. He, he should be about he should be about one hundred percent rostered then. I mean that's no no question. This is such a weird slate because it is that like I normally would one hundred percent agree with you right because that feels like such a smash play. But then I look at like. Um, Chuck Sizzle at like 60, what, 400. And then, um, there's so many random players that seem very good. Like Deuce Vaughn is 7K, Blake Corum is 6K. Like, what is Judkins? Cause I didn't even look 5K. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's going to be a big play. But if you think that news gets out, yeah, if news gets out, that's a chalk play easily. I love this uh, Jamal Banks thing we got going. I know you went Donovan Green, Alfred, but for $3,000, you know, another free square there at 3000 and especially with J- Banks emerging as the maybe the heir apparent to A.T. Perry, that's really intriguing to me. Uh, I know it's in Florida State. It could get a little messy. They might move the game up. They might move it to Thursday. So I'm hoping they move it earlier so we don't have to worry about the weather. But even so, Jamal Banks is a red zone threat. That's impressive. Uh, uh, Chris, did you have the same mindset, or you, you were just looking for the cheaper uh, Wake Forest player this week? I mean, it's hard to ignore. I think he's got five touchdowns on the year already. Yeah. Um, wow. The TD. I think I missed that insane. completely. So that's why. Yeah. I well, he, yeah. he, he was in the Clemson a... game mainly, but he did have the one in the first game where he had one catch, 14 yards, but it was a touchdown. So I meant he's the red mm-hmm. zone threat. It's interesting because I don't. At Perry doesn't seem like the guy, like as much of the guy as he was last year, and that's when he had more competition. Now it's like a bunch of receiver two three types that are just kind of eating away at it a little bit. Hartman's kind of spreading it around a little bit. Um, And I want to say he's catching, like the reception rate is like under 50% for Perry. So something's going on there. At that price, it's really hard to ignore uh, 3,000. There's just, and there's, but I don't think we can assume a guy is going to be chalk this late because there's so many options. Like Blake Corum just came off of 30 carries and he's probably going to do it again, right? Like, there's just a lot of options like that, so I don't. I think we want to not outsmart ourselves here. Uh, but anytime you can get Wake Forest action, I think this totals in the 60s, are, are close to it. I would like to see it not be super rainy, but my bet is that they just move it. You know, every other team in Florida is moving their game, so I doubt we even see this. Although I wonder, no, they're not going to do it. I wonder if they move this game to Sunday, if we could get like a SMU. UCF oh. and then, uh, FSU Wake slate. That would be awesome. A man could dream. Ethan probably heard it somehow. I guess that's true. Just, My entire lineup uh, is shot if this game isn't on the slate because it's like mostly Wake Forest. FSU. I guess do they move to the slate or do they just make this? Do they just let it sit till like Monday? Yeah, no, they would never before. let it sit with NFL action. They they yeah. want this in and out as much as possible. They yeah. makes sense. Basically, it is DK. They just pull it from the pull it from the slate. They would put like a little banner at the top and red, and then they would mark yeah. all the players yeah. red. Um, so, but I liked your team overall. I love Dylan Gabriel. I think mm-hmm. of the 
popular move, generally speaking, is to do kind of like a lineup like mine, which is just a bunch of mid-range 7, 6K guys. Um, so I like going... Um, paying up to be different? Paying up to be a little bit different. And Gabriel is shown to be extremely high upside with his rushing ability, which we saw at UCF, and it's continuing, which is nice to see. And he's, I mean, he's doing such a great job of throwing the ball. And it's not even just the Mims, you know. He, they're got a bunch of receivers for Rook and all those guys that are doing well. He doesn't necessarily – you don't necessarily need to stack him. I don't think I'm going to stack him this week. Right. I, I feel um, the same way. So. You don't need to stack. I mean, throwing touchdowns to, like, that tight end. Braden Willis, yeah. yeah. So, no, I, I thought the lineup was pretty good. I, and I like the basis on it. Kendra Miller seems like a great option That's as well. Option. I'll have some, good, uh, some of him for sure. So – um looks like we both went the xavier hutchinson route which i don't blame us i mean the kids going off most weeks had a little bit of a down week so i think this is a good play for especially against uh kansas i saw you went the nick and jalen daniels over uh going deckers i think i i went deckers i just i want the stack i think this is the deckers get right game uh should make felix happy so finally felix gets his wish deckers goes off on a on a less uh tougher kansas defense but the game should be quite the uh quite the game for sure just depends on if ohio's uh Iowa State comes out with the uh, the run mentality. I don't know. You think Cartavius is back yet, but Jalil Brock's doing pretty decent, you know, as far as just the overall back. Um, however, I still think Hutchinson is the go-to guy there at Iowa State. You seem to agree there. Uh, is that you're thinking you just don't trust Decker's uh, K and you just wanted to go Daniels uh, for the, the run back? I can't possibly let Daniels beat me a third week in a row. I know. You know, I know. he that game where he was delayed and then all my money – was delayed and gone you know it just was so <laughs> depressing i can't do it again so i'm gonna purposefully be over what i usually would on him this weekend um and that game could just be crazy high scoring i would be surprised if they both aren't in the 30s like if duke i know it's duke and they're a little bit better than they are have yeah. been in years past and riley leonard is is proving to be a formidable uh quarterback i just think it's going to continue and there's no reason i would say can can play well on offense. We just saw it against Baylor. They had a good game. They didn't win, but they had a good game. Um, and they have options. Hutchinson's such a high target guy. Uh, it's hard. You know, Deckers has proven to be pretty solid as well at quarterback, which is what you need at a receiver one. So, you know, that's it feels like a good run back with Daniels, that high volume receiver that'll help stay with it. Yeah, I thought it was smart, especially if you're, uh, you know, you just don't want to take the risk with Deckers. Daniels is the play for sure. Uh, I like that you went with the Rodgers and Ducking. I know you went Rodgers over there in price picks. Uh, it's a favorable match. I mean, it's a decent matchup. It's Texas A&M. So it's not the Texas A&M that we're, like I just said in the previous segment, and they're, they're struggling a little bit. They're trying to just figure out who they are. And I think they're just trying to survive still. So uh, was your play uh, most people will fade because it's Texas A&M, or was it just it's Will Rodgers in the top receiver, so might as well pay up a little bit. I mean, they're not bad prices. They're, they're all decent prices this week too. Yeah, I mean that's a pretty great combination of pricing for a, you know, a receiver and a quarterback from Mississippi State. And Ducking really is, if he's not the top receiver, is the second best receiver, right? Him and Rufus Harvey command about thirty percent of targets, which is like seven or eight each, which is crazy to think about um, how much you know fifteen percent it can be. But big fan of that offense, obviously. I'd like to see AM move at the move the ball, like actually run plays instead of this whole like 50 plays per game BS they're doing. So I can see why you would want to potentially pivot away from that, but it's just really hard to say no to to that pricing on Rogers and Ducking. 
I just want to chime in and say I love the Hutchison play. I missed it, but Kansas is not a good defense. They are, you know, super efficient, borderline elite offense, um, but their defense is still going to be their Achilles heel. And Hutchison might be one of the biggest target monsters on any given team. I mean, I don't know if you have the numbers, but I know he's like far and away the alpha. So I actually, I'm I'm going to need to figure that one out. I need I need Hutchison if I'm going to play. So looking at Roto Wire's targets, we have uh, Charlie Jones is third with 13.5 point game and Hutchinson is fourth with 12.8. And in terms of like percentages, he's got like seventh. Um, That includes an army guy. Actually, like eh, don't count army and air force and Navy. That doesn't. Yeah. Like fourth or fifth. (laughs) They have some random guy. They have a central Arkansas guy that popped in here for some reason, but yeah, he's like fourth or fifth as well. Right. So the, high volume and high target share which is and if yeah if you're gonna say that hey this is a game isu is going to overperform what they normally do because it's a bad defense and he's gonna get a huge piece of that overperformance pie it's i mean i think you got it you gotta smash hutchinson i missed it but that's why you guys are here there we go. Uh, I wanted to bring up uh, Coleman from uh, Michigan State. Uh, you know, Michigan State, uh, Thorne, uh, they haven't had Reed in the past couple of weeks. They just don't look very impressive. However, this is Maryland that they're playing. No offense to our friend Barnabas, the Maryland fan, or the beef that uh, the BTR pod has for the Maryland fan base. But uh, I think this is a good game for Coleman. Uh, Reed is now coming back. He is cleared to play. I think it might take a, a, maybe a week or so for Reed to kind of get back in the swing of things. So I'm kind of banking on Coleman to be, at least for this week, a wide receiver one and probably, or if anything, a high production of wide receiver two. Uh, for, you know, going against a, a defense that's ranked uh, pretty low like that, like Maryland, I think that's a good spot, especially for 4200, another cheap play as well. That means I was able to pay up for Marvin Mims, who's just a target machine going up against TCU. Love that as well. And then I decided to go uh, a couple of, uh, you know, uh, running backs that are kind of coming up in the ranks on there as well. I went the run back. Of course, I went with Hemby. He had a rough game last week, but I think he is pretty much taking that backfield. He goes, goes up against Michigan State. That's, I believe, uh, in the – 80th or 90th against the rush if i'm if i'm not mistaken so it's definitely doable and then i like reese uh especially with the question marks around tame mcwilliams and squirrel that's going on uh what's his name uh jones disappeared uh, i don't know what he's up to these days he might be uh trying to transfer i don't know what's up but uh i didn't get to see him much on reese uh, he kind of flew under the radar when i was doing my recruiting stuff alfred do you remember anything about reese did you guys ever look him up or anything like that no um he's not a true freshman right? he's a few years in but he's i think he's really small but obviously blazing yeah. speed yep and then uh, Hemby, he's just proven to be good we all thought it was probably going to be a uh, uh, ramon brown we always thought that maybe he was going to take the reins but it looks like Hemby's kind of taking this backfield so Definitely like these two, especially for 4,900, I was able to pay up for Sam Hartman, go ahead and get Mims, and make sure that I secured the lineup with Deckers and stuff like that. So that's kind of the way I went. Uh, I want to talk, uh, Chris, about Corm because he does go up against a really tough Iowa defense. Does that concern you? Do you think it's just volume and Corm's just going to get his points regardless of the defense that he plays? I think it's more just volume. I mean, that total in the game is like 40 eight or something crazy which is about as bad as it gets when you're picking a fantasy option but like i said he had 30 carries last week out of 40 okay donovan edwards is not your biggest running back so if he comes back he's still probably going to be banged up and limited i think i saw a quote that said basically you know we hope edwards is back and there's a chance but 
even if he plays, we know Corum can handle the heavy load, right? So, like, we saw the game. If you saw the game against Vermont, I saw it as a Michigan fan. I was watching it. They just pounded the rock the entire time. And McCarthy didn't look awful, but he didn't look good. Maryland did some good things to slow him down and, and make him ineffective. But when it came down to it, they just gave it to Corum. You know, he had a couple big runs, a huge touchdown run there, I think, right before halftime. Or maybe maybe running the clock out. I can't remember exactly, but he's just a, about as safe as it gets to me. He's going to, I think he has probably, and I write this in the article, he has the highest, I think he's got is the highest floor and highest upside of any running back in the slate. Well, and he's a big play guy. So, I mean, if you give Blake Corum 28 carries, you know, there's going to be a 65 yard touchdown in there. Uh, I would definitely shy away from Iowa, but I get it. I mean, I get playing the volume for 6,500. Yeah. I like Reese too, by the way. I thought he's, I think he's a really good option. He's not your typical Baylor back and that he's like 5'9", 175, but it sounds like Tay McWilliams is out again. You're right. Quaylen Jones kind of disappeared. I think he had like two carries last game. So Squirrel's the only guy that you have to worry about. And they like to run the ball, generally speaking. So even if they split a little bit, he's still fine. I think I have him in the 40s in terms of percent usage. Um, his touchdown run was only 19 yards last week, but it was I thought it was a great run. He looked good. Yeah. I think he the stat line doesn't do him justice. It was maybe like 22 for 78 in a touchdown, but I thought he looked really good. So I was impressed and came away with it. That the price is a it's nearing a little bit against what I would love to see in a slate like this heavy with great options, but I think I'm going to end up with a bunch of them just because Baylor running backs, you know, it's historically the last couple of years, at least the RB one for them is, is a great spot to be. Yeah. I think we only see probably only a week or so more of Reese at this price before he kind of gradually moves up. He's, he's often kind of scrolled over and just like in fan tracks, he was only what 1% own up until a few days ago. Now I'm not sure now with waivers and stuff and after a few shows and things like that, but uh, with with Reese being so easily forgotten, it was just one of those easy ones. I was like, man, the matchup's great. He's been doing really good. The volume's there. I don't really worry about Tay right now until we hear anything else. Squirrel might take some production, but it seems like Baylor really trusts Reese, and that's what I'm that's what I'm impressed about the most because they do usually spit up. Uh, I mean, we saw Ebner and uh, the other one last year, so it's 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 cool to see an emergent of at least a for now a dominant running back out of Baylor. Uh, so that's kind of the reason why I went with that. Uh, Let's see. Uh, you got Chuck Sizzle. I think that's a uh, a go to, right? Got to have Chuck no Sizzle. Brainer. It's so annoying. The guy was super heavy owned a couple of weeks ago against Syracuse when he was eight thousand. Like, what do we think he's going to be when he's sixty four hundred? Like, it's going to be hundred percent. Yeah, it's going to be that. <laughs> so chalk. I, I don't love it, but it's it's still man. It's the production, right? You can't, right? It's kind of like Michigan. Um, their totals are almost the same. I want to say it's like. Let's see. Michigan's at like 26. Purdue is at maybe, let's see, 21. So a little bit different, but you don't love either of those, but the the amount of uh, volume. volume I mean, is all you need is like one touchdown. You don't have to get five touchdowns from them, but Jones is going to catch 10 friggin' balls. I mean, that's 10 yeah. points. Yeah. I, I would be, I want to see if O'Connell's back, who by the way is like 5,700. Just what right. the heck? Uh, if he's if he's back, I have no issue playing into the chalk here. Unfortunately, and just moving on, I would be more inclined to pivot away from 
sizzle if if uh, we don't see O'Connell. I I'm really curious to see how legit Minnesota is. They can hold, they can pound the rock, control the clock, which is about the last thing you want, right? It's like picking a guy against Army or Air Force, right? Like or Iowa. Just, or yeah. Iowa, you know, sometimes they don't, you don't see the football <laughs> for like 30 minutes, you know, you get that, just that fun fact. Um, so I'd be more inclined to, to fade him if, uh, to try to fade him if O'Connell's out. But we'll and, see. Uh, yeah, this year Minnesota actually ranks one of the top against the quarterback. So even O'Connell coming back, that's still a tough task. If it is the backup, that's where I'm, I start to think about fading Chuck Sizzle. However, he's been proven, even with the other quarterback, that he does okay. So for me, it was a debate, and I just kind of – until I hear about O'Connell, I kind of swapped over to the uh, the Iowa State stack versus the Purdue stack there. And uh, let's let's face it, everything in Minnesota's death taxes and Mo Ibrahim getting a uh, you know rushing touchdown within one quarter. It uh, looks like that uh, that Achilles is completely healed. I've been thoroughly it's impressed. It's so cool to see, man. It was, it was so it. cool. His volume is insane too. I mean, even against like New Mexico State, he was getting he got twenty plus carries. They don't so. care. Yeah. They're gonna Possibly give him 40, like 40 carries. They don't he care. must really be good to go. You know, you don't yeah. give that guy twenty carries four games straight if he's not. You know, they they had opportunities already to kind of limit his usage. And Potts is a good backup running back. So, man, he must just defying yeah the anatomy right there because that's insane, crazy. All right, guys. Well, that kind of completes the uh, the DraftKings segment. Since we have Alfred on, we wanted to talk about his thought process when it comes into looking at lines and bets and things like that. Of course, we have a rare situation where we have uh, an actual hurricane coming into play. And, uh, you know, do you see things like does Vegas, uh, you know, swatch? I think they do it pretty quickly. Even if a quarterback goes down, uh, you see a bad thunderstorm coming through. Vegas is pretty uh, smart about changing lines and stuff like that. So what's usually a strategy that you have when you see these lines change so quickly? Are you, are you similar like uh, Mox where he kind of does it by quarter or he'll bet on certain like games or are you big on like, Hey, let's wait and see till the day of like, what's, what's your process when you usually look at your lines each week? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and something this year that I've really leaned into is, is jumping on these like, like Sunday, I, I barely follow the NFL. I am mostly focused on what's going to happen when the college football lines are released because these things fly in one direction or the other um, very quickly. And so um, you're asking about weather and stuff. And really what's going to happen is they'll pull it off the board um, if there's a big question mark. So if like some injury news comes out, they'll just pull the bet off until something's confirmed and then they'll put it back on with a new number. Um, And you got to be pretty quick about that um, as well. And with the weather as you know, I think they're probably ticking some things down, but I mean, yeah, with a hurricane, it's going to be wind. As we know in the NFL, I'm sure you've seen it mentioned that scoring does not really change with rain. It can change with wind. And that's really because of passing and because of kicking. So wind with a hurricane is going to make things a disaster. Um, but they will bake that in. You can ba- you can rarely really beat Vegas to the punch. I mean, these that's all they're doing all day long. It's their entire job. We all have day jobs and we're trying to do this on the side. So... <laughs> You're rarely going to beat them to the punch. Like they're not going to be like, oh, I didn't realize I didn't change this line. And like Joe from San Antonio is like, oh man, this is a sweet number. That's not how it's going to work. But I think that, so what I've learned is, as I think through this more and more, you know, 
like I said, these are professionals who their entire job is set this line. And they're looking at all the same things that we're looking at, EPA per play, explosiveness, um, trends, all these different things. But I think where there can be an edge is if you really know these teams well, and you may know some history, you know, weird things that happen in like Alabama, Auburn games, things like that. Like you just know kind of stuff that's the numbers and the stats. You're not really going to beat Vegas there, but you might beat Vegas on. I just know these games play out differently uh, or gut feelings, which sounds horrible because like, we don't like gut feelings. We want numbers. And I'm a numbers guy. I'm a stats guy, but so is Vegas. So like you're not really going to beat them. They're, you're not seeing a number that they're not already considering and putting into the line. But when you know these teams and you know that up until now they have not played how they are capable of or whatever, you can just know this is this is not going to go the right way. And I've actually my early line show I've been reviewing each week. I've been about a 60% clip on the numbers that I say, hey, this is wrong there. It's going to correct. And I've been on the right side of that about 60% of the time. So, but that's on that early number. Once it gets down onto like, by the time most people are betting, casual betters, of course, and I'm a casual better. I'm not putting like tons of money on this. I mean, this, I don't have that much money. But, you know, by the time the guy's like, oh, I'm looking at their line on Friday or Saturday morning and they're like, I'll throw some money down. Those numbers are so perfect. That's why everyone's like, Vegas is so good because it's always within a half a point. I mean, it's like right there. It's flipping a coin. But if you can get it early, for instance, NC State at Clemson opened at eight. NC State plus eight at Clemson. Personally, I'm taking anybody plus a seven against Clemson until they show me something on offense. I just think they are liable for an upset every single week. They're liable to not cover by, you know, four, five, six points. So I immediately took eight. It's already down past seven, down to only plus six and a half. And then there's another Tulane opened at four and a half. Within a few hours, it was down to two and a half. Now that's a big deal because plus four and a half gets you that field goal uh, touchdown difference of four points. It's also through a field goal difference if it's a tie game late and they kick a field goal and it's down to plus only two and a half. So I got all that value by jumping on it early, knowing that I, you know, I think Tulane's good, great defense. Houston's been underwhelming on offense. And I don't know why they set it at four and a half, but everyone corrected the public or betters, whatever. So that early number, going back to your original question, I know I'm rambling here, but that early number that first comes out, if you already know what you think about these teams, and Chris Moxley actually has done his own home-cooked uh, power rankings. So he's actually, he's got his own line. And then he looks at the line that's released. And then if there's a discrepancy there, jumping on it right away, that I think is going to be the best way to, to do this but it requires preparation. You can't just do it on the fly on like Friday night or something like that. Like you have to be ready to go when they're released on Sunday. And I think that's uh, the word to the wise, especially if we're going to take the CFB stuff uh, seriously to go along with it. Well, you know, most of us are sitting there yelling for Stefan Diggs to get up and not hurt his hamstring and get another four or five receptions. Out I was for one this. of those guys. I have a lot of digs. <laughs> I do too. He's in my dynasty as well. So for me, come Sunday, I'll, you know, 
you know, a lot of us were for C2C. So a lot of us have, you know, NFL sides. Of course, you have some of us that have just done NFL Dynasty or redraft stuff like that for years and years and years. So we focus on that. But, you know, it sneaks around as the lunchtime comes around right before the uh, the one o'clock slate heads. Uh, boom. Now you have CFB and stuff like that. So I think that's important to kind of get ahead of the schedule, stuff like that. You don't have to have your secret sauce like uh, like Mox, but knowing like the teams that, you know, like you're talking about, like finding the team that you kind of follow closely or just know the conference really well and the matchups and things like that. That's pretty important. And that's kind of like my takeaway is get it early and then find the teams that you're comfortable with. What's your thoughts? Uh, Chris? Think, well, I was Chris, just going to piggyback real quick and I want to throw it to Chris, but I think that's a great point about teams, you know, like if you want to just bet G5, to know those teams, know those conferences, know those coaches, the storylines, and that's how you can succeed. Don't just, you know, bet the whole board. If you think one team is undervalued, bet them every single week until the market corrects. And I just heard that on a podcast recently. They were giving that advice as well. And it's kind of boring, I guess. But like, if you find a value, just stick with it and know these teams. That's the best advice because otherwise you're going against professionals that are setting these lines. Yeah. I had one question for you, Alfred. Are you betting the under in the Navy Air Force game? The one that's <laughs> like eighty-one percent career unders. Oh gosh, yeah those those service academy games do go under very very frequently. Um, I haven't looked at that actually. Unders and overs is is um, a thing I want to kind of get a little bit better at. Right now, I'm like I said, I, I'm focusing like Brandon was mentioning. I'm kind of focusing on a smaller thing. Like I'm just trying to get these the spreads to where I feel good about the teams and knowing them, but along that comes unders and overs, but that's also a little bit of a different vibe. Um, and I'll bet a few, but no, I, I haven't taken that one yet, but that's a good, that's a good trends for overs and unders is actually really good. Cause I think coaching and strategy dictates that quite a lot. Like guy, especially when you get to conference games, like how does this team perform against this over and under at home in conference opponents? Cause coaches will coach a certain way, you know, some coaches want to blow people out. Some coaches want to keep it close and just win with a field goal, things like that. So I think over and under is a big trends to look at. Yeah. Trends. That number's like 37 and a half. And I think it opened at like 39 or something. So it, hmm. people are hitting that under. It's already been hit down. Well, you know, last week, I think it was, was it an all time low under uh, for Iowa and um, Rutgers? And it went over. There's an all-time under. It's like 34, and it, I think they ended up – Iowa put up like 27, and I think Rutgers scored 10, so it was like 37. It's like a running joke in my friend group that um, anytime you see an over-under in the 30s, it's a Big Ten football game with Beth Maurer. Yeah, it makes perfect it. – unless it's Iowa State or yeah. Ohio State, but yeah. Yeah, so it's it's sad. It's pathetic. I'm a Big Ten fan, <laughs> so I can say yeah. it. But, um, Alfred, yeah. Alfred, I had another question for you. Are you a glutton for punishment like Matt Bruning when we brought up on the tailgate how he should bled on the Golden Flashes to go with the over against Georgia? In your wildest dreams, would you ever think something like that actually would have occurred in that game? Wasn't that crazy? Yeah, no, I actually didn't have a bet on that game, but I heard a very good argument about uh, – it wasn't the over-under, but it was uh, betting Kent State to cover. And they did. I'm pretty sure yeah. they covered. They points. made it actually. It was like a 10 point game in the third quarter. The whole argument was that Georgia was probably so. Like this is a good narrative kind of illustration, right? So the numbers that Vegas is probably going by are going to be like power rankings, and they're going to say Georgia is this amount's points better than Kent State, and that's going to be a huge number, of course. But then 
if you kind of know your team and you know what's going on, like you know Georgia's got their SEC opener. I don't know if they've played an SEC game yet. They may have their SEC opener next week. They beat South week. Carolina. They, they played play South Carolina. Carolina. Okay, they played South Carolina. Then they have the sandwich Kent State game. So they're coming off SEC game, Kent State cupcake, and then SEC game. <clears throat> and so kind of a look-ahead spot, kind of saying they're not going to play their starters the whole game. They're probably going to put in second, third team. They were put in second, third team against South Carolina. They're definitely going to play second, third team against Kent State. So then you're like – that number should actually be Kent State versus Georgia's second team for half that game. And I just don't think the uh, the line spread is taking all those nuances into account. So it was a really good argument. I didn't jump on it, but I was like, man, that makes a lot of sense. And then sure enough, played out like that. But that's where that, that hardcore number based on the power ranking is not really going to reflect the real life scenario. Yeah, that all came about because uh, we were talking about uh, on the tailgate because Matt was like, I think I want to bet on the Iowa game. I was like, do you, one, do you really want to sit through that whole game and watch that? Two, <laughs> do you really think that Iowa will get more over? That, this time they did. I mean, it's a rare occasion, but they, they got more than three points, so good on them, right? But it was just one of those things like, do you take a stab at these games where people are like myself? I'm just, I don't want anything to do with that. Like, I just want to go, let me go look at what Carolina versus uh, Notre Dame's going to be, or let me go see that type of stuff. So I just thought it was interesting and in how people bet, like, do they go for those spicy games? Because I mean, this isn't like DFS. There's no percentage. Everyone can bet on anything. Right. So it's just one of those things like you don't have a competitive edge, but do you put yourself through that type of glutton punishment because you might have a slight edge because a lot of people might not be going for that bet. So that's kind of where that whole conversation came from. Yeah, There's definitely public teams for sure. In the NFL, there's like public teams where you just know if that line's moving, it's because the public is just putting money on Dallas or whatever. Um, in college football, I love the nasty games. I love the sicko games. I mean, I'm going to be betting on New Mexico, UNLV probably. Like, those are the games. Um, well, and if you think about it from the reverse angle too, so the public is not going to be as in on it because it's UNLV, New Mexico. So that means the book, meaning the the line setters, the whoever's taking those bets, if they have to say, hey, I have X amount of resources to put research into <clears throat> getting a perfect line, they're going to put it into the you know, ESPN 7 p.m. game or the 3.30 big game that everybody and their mother is going to throw some money down on. Nobody's going to be betting. I mean, the volume of bets on UNLV uh, New Mexico is so much. So, so they, you know, they care, but they also probably a little bit more relaxed in how close they're trying to crunch those numbers. Whereas the big public money bets, the big games, those are actually going to probably be tighter. Mox made that point uh, when he was on. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was such a good point. And it makes so much sense, right? Like, and you kind of expanded on it and talked about it a little bit differently. You know, let's say there's $100,000 thrown on that UNLV uh, New Mexico game. There's probably going to be $10 million thrown on that 330 CBS game. Which one do they want to make sure they get right? You know, like, because in a sense, Vegas, all they're trying to do is just make a, a line that's going to create the most action. And it's kind of like, well, I don't want to get killed either way. I yeah. prefer just to win by a little. That's probably where their head's at, right? <laughs> so they want to make that line good. If they mess it up from the beginning, it could be a real rough, rough start. So I love that. I love that point. I think it's so good. Yeah, Vegas, you know, we all say beat Vegas, beat Vegas, all that. Vegas is not, look. they don't give a shit what happens in the game. They just want even money on both sides. And if you know gambling... They're 
taking a rake essentially off each bet. The way the DraftKings takes a rake, the way that anybody takes a rake, they're basically making 10% of your bet no matter who wins. So basically they have two sides, equal money. One side's going to lose. They're going to get everybody's money. But even the winning side, they're taking like a little 10%. So it's it's just, um, or they got to give everyone's money back minus 10, 90% of their bets back on, on the winning side for the public. And the losing side, they get 100% of the money. So they're making that margin on every single bet for every single one. So they just don't want big sides. They don't care who wins. Uh, they only care if they have like a bad line and everyone's like, oh, that's a bad line. And they're like overwhelmingly all the money's on one side and that's the side that hits. But yeah, their um, their resources are just going to be put less into the game that there's less money on it for sure. You mentioned that you have a more of a focus on spreads. Do you have a focus on conferences or what's maybe your niche in general, what you try to focus on? I think I like, I just like G5. I like the storylines. I like the... I like knowing about what's going on at programs in the G5 level. It's just fun. It's like a soap opera kind of. So like, it's just entertaining and you get to know the players and like each team has a personality and you can kind of just like know what's going to happen. Last year, uh, it was one example, but like Coastal Carolina was looking incredible. App State was uh, good, but not maybe what they were in the past. But they had the biggest game of the year was at App State. And you just know App State at home at night, forget it. I mean, they are not going to win that game. And I was just like, I, I'm just going to bet App State to win because like, I know this team. Um, and they did. And similar to like I was talking in the Discord. Someone was saying how two weeks ago at Wyoming, they were taking the team that was going to play at Wyoming. And, you know, they're just like, oh, it's like Wyoming's horrible. I was like, I know Wyoming's horrible but they're nasty at home. Like you do not go into Laramie and walk out with a win. Like it's just, they are nasty at home. They play dirty, gross, defensive, run the ball football. And it's hard to go get a win, no matter what you think of their talent level. And sure enough, Wyoming won a game and they shouldn't have won as a dog, but like, you just know these teams. And so I, I like that at the G5 level. And that was Air Force, wasn't it? I think it was Air Force. Yeah. And I love Air Force. Historic. Historically. I watched Air Force just for the run and they stopped the training Wyoming. They they put yeah. Roberts to the ground. So it was interesting. Wyoming. Yeah, Wyoming has been great against Air Force in the past. Yeah. I think that I mean, goes into kind of know, like these teams have personalities. You just get to know them if you follow them. And uh, mm -hmm. so I like betting those. And like you said, I think it's a little less popular. So the lines might be a little softer and you're looking for any edge you can get. Yep. Well, this has been a pretty awesome conversation. This is why we wanted to have Alfred on to kind of just give us his thought process and things like that, dive a little bit more into the into the uh, the odds and the betting and stuff like that as well. Um, Alfred, where can people find you? And if you can, plug the official and the times and days that, are, that people can check you guys out and what you're all about there. Yes. All right. At Alfred JF on Twitter. Um, in the Discord, if you join CampusCanada.com. Um, and basically I'm in charge of, uh, the official, which is a recruiting podcast and YouTube show where we are going to walk you through all the recruits leading up to signing day. And then they will turn over and become freshmen. And that's when Brandon takes the, the, takes the baton, starts talking about them on his future freshman show, but we're going to take you all the way up through and finding super deep sleepers. We talk about metrics. We're trying to develop analytics on that recruiting side, um, <clears throat> that is going to help us be better at identifying kind of talents and who, where these recruits really should be ranked. And so kind of starting our own thing from there, that's the official. Um, 
Early Lines podcast released on hopefully Sunday. We had technical difficulties. It came out Monday this week. But um, that's trying to be as close as we can. But obviously, the Discord, we're talking about it in real time. And then an article about best bets every week as well. Yes, so people be looking out for that. I know a lot of times you can catch some of that early or just thought process on the Discord. So please check out our Discord if you're an NIL member. That's where you can catch it early. Of course, if you're doing that in-season edge, uh, you know, membership, that's where you can also catch the uh, the betting lines and things like that. So please go check that out as well. Chris, what you got doing this week? Do you got any sweet references for us on a title this week? What you got? What you got oh, coming no, up, man? man? I'm two for two on butt titles, so I probably have to you keep are. that going. Um, yeah, just another main slate article coming out in the next couple of days. Uh, you know, I'd love to get the the night slate article out. Ethan and I are going to do that, mix it up a little bit here and there. I'm gonna, I'll probably end up taking it again this week, which will be fun. Um, just got to wait on DraftKings to put everything out. So getting started on that and that usually comes out friday or maybe saturday mornings just depending on when they release it but yeah we've we've done a, a good job i think of expanding on the dfs content the main slate originally and now we've got the late night or the night slate on DraftKings as well and that one's just a little bit different and we i'm attacking it where it's like talking about core plays that are good in all formats tournament plays that you're riskier and then i've been uh mentioning fades guys that i want to avoid which has been fun to look back on to see how bad some of those predictions were and then some how good they were where I mentioned Adrian Martinez and Dylan Gabriel is a great game stack, that type of thing. So um, just trying to get out there that, uh, that content for you guys. Yep. I do want to bring up uh, Ethan does his, he has uh, of course his article for his favorite stacks. So I definitely recommend checking that out. Plenty of options for you to go along with it. Um, I've been thinking about how, you know, I've been doing pretty decently at these single entries, especially the nights or the showdowns that are going on. So I might be putting the writing skills back to work. I know I only do like one a year or one or two or three years, something like that, but something's brewing. I got this thought process and I need to get it down onto into writing. So I'll probably have an article here. Uh, don't quote me when, but it's something that's where what I'm finding with my, you know, uh, my entries, the single entries, the night slates and the showdowns there where it tends to be where you have lesser competition. But at the same time, if you know your players, you can usually hit money and you're making your money back a lot more than even on the main slate. But that's more Chris and Ethan's bread and butter. And I have to say, even though I've done decent, but nothing to where where Chris has done pretty decent this year so far. So uh, definitely check that out to come. Of course, uh, I want to mention Alfred does a weekly contest. We do it through Campus to Canton on DraftKings. Uh, I want to have Alfred uh, have the floor one more time. Tell him uh, what's on, what's at stake and why uh, we go so hard at each other each week to get that <clears throat> gift card, man. Yeah, so we have a free contest on the main slate. Uh, it's totally free to enter. Just join, put it in a lineup. You have no risk at all. The winner, uh, the number one overall finisher, is going to win a home field gift card uh, for, I think we said, 25 bucks. So that won't get you a whole shirt, but most of a shirt at home field. And they have amazing, if you haven't checked it out, I mean, just awesome college football gear. Very interesting, very unique patterns and designs for all the teams. Tons of teams. I mean, Colorado School of Mines, uh, as well as a lot of the big the big programs as well. Um, so it's a great prize. Very cool. Very fun. I won week one. Uh, week two and week four, we had winners that are, have yet to claim the prize. So I've tweeted. I've said, hey, you need to contact us. And they haven't. So... Uh, looking to give out that gift card. I think it's because you require a social security number 
and uh, <laughs> high school mascot. Just your email, folks. We just that gift card your email. If not, we'll go through the C2C roster and see who had the highest between us. Like, you get a card and go from yeah, there. Exactly. It's pretty cool. We've seen some big growth with it, right? We started with yeah. like 20 to 25. Now, is it we up had to 100 50, yet? We had 50 one week. We had 43 or something the ne- uh, next week. And I do want to have a 100-person tournament at some point this year. So if you're listening to this, look for the tweet. It'll be coming out in the next day. Uh, probably tomorrow I'll send it out. And uh, I'll literally just join. If you've never done it ever before, just Try join it for free. Put in a lineup and check it at the end of the day, and you maybe you'll win a fun gift card. So yeah, there's you no. Don't have, you don't have to be literally anything. You don't have to be a part yeah. of C2C. You don't have to listen to anything. You just have to yeah. literally click a link and have a DraftKings account. That's it. Yep, yep that's so, it. I think it's awesome. Yep, I'm getting my uh, brother and a few other friends in there that are dabbling into CFP. Well, that's what we want. Well, it is your girlfriend and your wife. No, no, the girl doesn't play. She's too busy. She's too busy for that. I barely get her on Sundays as far as watching. She's an Eagles fan, so it is what it is. But uh, we uh, want people to try it with no risk and just see it. It's fun. It's really fun. It's super high scoring. I mean, people that complain about bad NFL games, like there's not very many bad college football games in terms of, you know, Iowa. That's about it. Yeah, and the mention like, hey, it's a super crazy, flex. It's craziness. I mean, it, it's very volatile, um, and so certainly you can be like, I thought I had it right, and just like guys were fumbling and stuff. I mean, it's very volatile, but um, it's it's a black. I mean, it's just like crazy scoring. This yeah. past week, I think someone came up. Uh, I think it was the Bo Nix fourth quarter. Oh yeah, uh, the Nick someone came Nix up pick. from the middle of the pack and won the whole thing. Because Bo Nix threw like three touchdowns in the fourth quarter or something, just like went crazy, uh, and that's what can happen. What a world we live in, man! Bo Nix securing victories, man. I remember week one, I had that Appalachian State Carolina uh, stack against, and I had the whole the whole entire day. I had the first place, and Alfred came back and snuck it behind me there and got that first place. I, I was like, my get a card. You got a UNC App State stack. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I just wanted to have a. I just wanted to sweat some more, basically. So that's why. 120 points scored in that game. Yeah, that was better than the basketball teams did. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, but once again, we want to thank Alfred for coming on. Of course, uh, we'll have a uh, next week. We should have the uh, the infamous, the one that does vacation often. I think it's, he goes by the name of Austin. He should be our guest <laughs> oh, next week, no. Mister Debbie D. He's gonna come off his. Uh, there's gonna probably a lot of brew hate. Possibly there might be some uh, arguing between him and Kay. Yeah, K Mike's call out six. So just me and Ethan just grilling uh on 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 Austin to see how really good he is at DFS. So we'll see how it goes. But we uh we appreciate you guys listening and watching in and we'll see you next time. Peace.